Hello and a welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a theme. So, as the summer of shocks continues with my look at the Prana franchise, I take a little dip into the waters of Piranha 2, the Spawning, which is widely known as James Cameron's first movie, which is technically true. However, he was thrown off the set by the producer, who went on to finish the film as he thought Cameron was taking it far too long. Cameron then tried to sue to have his name taken off the project, but he couldn't get the money together, so this is now his first movie, even though none if little of his footage actually, was actually used in this bloody film. Okay then. God, I love the coked up 80s. I just love the schlocky piece of absolute trash. It's the great James Cameron's first movie. <laughs> and now that I have pissed off the Cameron fanboys, let's see how the man-eating God Branners go from Texas to Jamaica. Or even if these are the same fish. And even what the fuck happened to that walking piranha thing? Hmm. By the way, this is the first time I've actually watched this thing. The first time I've cracked open the seal on a DVD, which I've had for bloody years. So, wish me luck with this one. So, slap on Net Factor 50 sunscreen, dig out the speedos, and have a cool cocktail as we let the warm water of B-movie goodness wash over us. With its budget of $150,000, this thing pulled in $390,000. Wow. No wonder it took nearly 30 years to get a bloody... Third one, Putin. Starring Lance Hendrickson, Trisha O'Neill, Steve Marchuk, and Ricky Paul Gordon. Directed by James Cameron and. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Ovido Assassina. I think that's how you pronounce his name, but I'm terrible with bloody Italian names. Anyway, moving on. The plot in a Caribbean island resort, a sunken naval ship holds a frightening cargo in the form of gently modifying flying piranhas. Modified even modifying. Modified flying piranhas. Can a scuba diver instructor, a biochemist and chief of police stop these man-eating terrors or will they end up next on the menu? I find out here. So the movie opens up on a boy with an inflatable dinghy floating next to it as a couple decide to have sex on board. Uh, then they decided it would be better to have sex underwater. Honestly, the Lem's men go to get her wet. Am I right? So down they go, in full diving equipment, and who said romance was dead? To the shipwreck of a US naval supply ship, where a quick look around later, they start to make out, then start to undress, and well, you know the rest. Uh, a great place to have sex here, a rusty old shipwreck. God! I know some people love dangerous sex, but this is ridiculous between the tetanus, the drowning, and if I mind the possible of fucking shark attacks. I guess anything to get off then. Hmm. Also, am I getting though once getting Jaws the Revenge flashbacks here? No, not the sex, but the sunken ship stuff. Hmm. Just as she was getting her rocks off, the prana show up and eat both of them in a flurry of bubbles of blood and bites. Up pops the titles, with music trying desperately to be the Jaws theme without getting sued. Three full minutes later, I want to introduce to Chris, played by Ricky Paul Golden of The Blob 1988, check my archives, Mirror Mirror, The Young and the Restless, and Guiding Light. 
he's doing a spot of beach fishing. And when I say fishing, I mean he's running along a beach, high-fying everybody in sight, because that's how you catch fish, apparently. Up he goes to the hotel on the island, and here we meet his mother, Anne, played by Trisha O'Neill, of the Gumball Rally, Are You Alone in the House, and Babylon 5. And when I meet, I mean the camera slowly tracks up her naked body, all covered up with a white sheet, you dirty pervs. As her son wakes up by making her kiss a flatfish, what the fuck? He then drops it and fumbles it to pick it up over his naked mother's body as it thrashes alive around rather. This is a real live fucking fish. What in the actual fuck? After this frankly uncomfortable wrong scene, we meet our <coughs> hero, Tyler, played by Steve Marachuk of The Eyes of Laura Mars and Hot Target, as he stiffs the hotel service room guy on a tip. I've got to say, the short shorts are short in this, and that's just the men. Seems this guy is a Romeo scooper diving enthusiast trying desperately to get into the pants of Anne as he has written a note asking for a private session. Okay then. Uh, the son acts all jealous when he finds a love note so he throws it away. Then he asks why the room service guy always comes around when she's coming out of the shower. Gee I can't think why can you? I mean uh. the son and I swear to god he wants into his mother's pants quizzes her as to why they're living in this dump of a hotel. She says because you can't get room service in an actual house, plus the room is free because they have absolutely no money. He then tells her he has a job working for a... sorry, he has a job for a week on some rich guy's boat doing odd jobs. Yeah, I bet you do. Can't think why some rich old man would hire a 16-year-old pretty boy, can you? Hmm... The mother says no, and she doesn't know the first thing about this rich guy. However, the son says it's easy cash. I'm saying nothing. And they don't need the cash, so it's easy money. On to the randy guests of the hotel from the Looking for a Doctor Jew. Oh, that's a racist John. Eh. Bev, played by Tracy Berg. Cindy, her BFF, played by Sally Rika, who only wants the lifeguard. To the newlyweds, Ralph, played by Phil Colby, Marina, played by Hilde Magnusson, who, quote, We really should eat after all is included in the price of the room. We just don't have to have sex all the time. I mean, for fuck's sake. Are we get it, your porky's light. Anyway, where was I? Even hotel manager is a white-suited medallion man, Raoul, played by Ted Richard. Uh, you know, you get the picture here, it's a sleazy and cheap, nasty hotel. Mm. The poor lifeguard, Ron, played by Lee Kirk, is pretty much sexually assaulted by a horny, rich, bored housewife, Mrs. Wilson, played by Anne Pollock, who pulls him to her by the short shorts just to have a little peek. Wow, could you imagine this happening today? to a female lifeguard, the hashtag MeToo mob would have this guy crucified and the earth would crack in seconds. But here, it's just played for last because he... <sighs> she then openly hits on him, throwing herself at him, and she's about fucking 70 in this bloody movie. Okay then. On to a TNT. <clears throat> Fisher, Gabby, played by Anseel Golden who is lobbing sticks of TNT into the water 
just off a beach resort uh, okay then to catch fish for that night's meal so i'm guessing these are smoked fish then i mean i love the fact he just willy-nilly throws in dynamite sticks and just blows fucking fish clean out of the water okay then I mean, there's a bloody hotel right there. I mean, oh, moving on. Up oh, pulls police chief Steve, played by Lance. I'll do anything for a paycheck. Hendrickson, of such classics as Pumpkinhead movies. The horror show, a.k.a. House 3, which I reason why I bloody never covered it, because it's a fucking spec script turned into house movie. Moving on. Hard Target, The Mangler 2, Elvis Predator, Hellraiser, Hitworld, and Alone in Dark 2. Okay. To be fair, he was in such movies as Terminator and Aliens, etc. But this guy has done a lot of trash. Oh yes, and he is Annie's ex-husband. Or husband? Hmm. On to Chris meeting his, quote, rich old man, Mr. Dumont, played by Ward White. He tells off Chris for being late and introduces his daughter, Alison, played by Leslie Graves, as Chrissy's cut-offs at Titan. Back to the beach as Beverly unsubtly hits on the doctor she has her eyes on, he being Leo Bell, played by Albert Sanders. She pretends to drown in about a foot of water just so he can rescue her. Too bad he's a dentist. So no deep drilling for her then. She just casts him aside. Anyway, enough of this sex romp. Isn't this supposed to be a serious horror movie? As we get sh shots of the sunken boat, which is a reused footage from the opener. And why do I get a feeling we're going to see this shot a lot? Also, I have a feeling this is Cameron stuff, because doesn't Cameron have a hard-on for underwater stuff, such as Titanic and Abyss and um, Search for Titanic and all this malarkey? I guess this is his footage. Enough of the horror! It's back to Topless Woman. These being Loretta, played by Connie Lynn Hayden, and Jai, played by Carl Davis. These two are sexy pirates who steal from idiot men and sail off with their riches. Hey, it says their words, not mine. Moving on, the police chief, Kimberg, uh, pulls up to Chrissy's boat to take him for a ride, leaving the rich guy stranded as this guy doesn't know his ass from a portal. Chris is returned to the boat to blow smoke up Dumont, Dumont's ass. As back to Anne, who is down by the docks for reasons. Up pulls Steve uh, in a uh, speedboat to ask if she knows whose dinghy this is, which he found floating next to the boy. And oh, the sparks will misfire as he's to have zero bloody chemistry. Back to Jai, who is now on shore. In fact, she's stealing shit from the hotel kitchen. She's caught by the chef, Mal, played by Arnie Ross. So she flies with him and tells him if he'll let her go, he can have the both of them at the same time later that night. Okay then. Wouldn't you believe it? This bloody works as a stuttering uh, man lets her go. Back to Anne. Who is a scuba diving instructor? Okay, uh, not that hair you don't love. That's a fucking frizzy ass perm hair. That thing gets wet. You'll be fucking trying to fix that for hours later. Who takes her class to? She never guessed where. Yes, you've guessed it. The sunken naval boat. Now the real movie can begin. Tyler wastes no time on hitting on Anne, saying 
Does she uh, dive on the first date? Dirty Down to go to the shipwreck, you know, for a wreck. Been there for only a few months. There's just a lot, and I do mean a lot, of reef build-up and rust. It's as if this thing's been there for at least five years. One of the group sneaks off to look around the wreck and cue underwater drill sounds and rubber fish on a pole as they attack. He's quickly eaten off screen and he notices he's missing. So she checks out the boat finding his half-eaten body. She then freaks the fuck out and just swims off. Back to Steve as a deputy tells them the body has washed up. The body is then cut off to the morgue. And I just love the fact she doesn't even tell the police that there's a dead body underwater. It just washes up on shore. Oh dear, oh dear. As Steve uh, then shows up, Tyler, wearing the shortest shorts I have ever seen, any shorter, and we find out the origin of his bloody well son. He gives Anne a drink, hitting on her again. Really, mate? Now? You're going to hit on her now? Steve questions Annie as to what happened. She doesn't know, and this triggers Tyler's white night routine. Uh, Anne demands to see the body, but Steve says no, as she is responsible for his safety, and she could be sued by the family. Oh, you think? She just abandons the fucking... Oh, my God. Back to the two pirates, as the chef lumbers up with the supplies Kai tried to steal earlier. He hands over the supplies, unties the boat, and they trick him into jumping into the water before sailing off. Ah, what a fucking bunch of bitches. That night, on Chrissy's rich guy's boat, the daughter hits on Chris. Okay then. Back to Anne. Uh, she's walking to the morgue uh, to have a look-see at the body. Tyler bikes up out of nowhere and hits on her yet again. God, he's like a dog with a bloody bone. Give it a rest already, mate. He then agrees to help her. Some guys will do anything for some ass, am I right? Dear, oh dear. In the morgue, they find a body, pull it out of the freezer thing, and start taking pictures. A nurse catches them, because of course she does, because this ditzy bitch is using a flash photograph, fucking flash camera. I mean, oh, subtle much, Jesus Christ. She then chases them off. She is then attacked by a prana that bursts out of the body, chestbuster style. And then she's eaten. So that's where Prana Double D got that bit from. Hmm. Of the fact, you can actually see the puppeteer's arm as the Prana attacks. You can also see wires and bloody rods and all sorts of stuff. I mean, this is bloody done cheap. It then flies at the window because of course it can. Back to Annie, uh, who's looking over the photos as Tyler is still trying to get into her pants. pants. Really, mate? Give it a fucking rest. There's pictures of a half-eaten man sprawled on the wall uh, and you're still trying to get some. Jesus. Tyler then asks if it's a mutant fish. And he points out the fish from the first movie have all died because apparently they couldn't survive in seawater. Even though in that movie they clearly state they can survive in seawater. So what the... <sighs> he calls her crazy. So... She asks him to stay the night. Wow, love, can you be any more stereotypical? First it's all, oh no, get away from me. But as soon as he doesn't show any interest, it's, why don't you stay a while, stud? Back out at sea with the sexy pirates, and it's come up its time for these two. As the piranhas literally bubble up from the depth of hell, as first to get it is Loretta. 
as one flies out of water and rips her throat out. Next is Jai, as another flies off screen and rips her ear off, and it gives her one killer hickey. Back down below to yet more shots of the bloody opening. Filler much, jeez. Back to Annie, and a tired out Tyler. I'm guessing he's a two up chump then. Ah, she's having a disappointed cigarette. I mean, ugh. So she then uh, again. She then decides to check out the pictures again, and wow, he must be really bad in bed. As a storm hits, by the way, this bit goes fucking nowhere. They say there's a storm going to hit the island, and World War Three is going to happen, but this goes absolutely fucking nowhere. There's one rumble of thunder, and that's it. Steve is called out to deal with the pirate boat, finding it with only Jai's body on board. Cut to the morgue, as Steve finds Annie's credit card on the floor. So goes to question her, finding her in bed with Tyler, he then just walks away. So she chases after him, he outright accuses her of being a serial killer, and then just storms off. Kieran. She returns back to her room, quickly gets dressed, and leaves Tyler to clean up. She heads to the hotel owner to warn him, and yes, you have guessed he doesn't want to listen. She she presses on the matter, so he fires her on the spot and throws out the hotel. Wait, hold on a second here. She's fired by sorry, she's hired by him to teach scuba diving. Then why is she treated like a fucking guest? Shouldn't she be in the living quarters somewhere on on site, not a bloody hotel room? Oh dear, oh dear. Tyler calls his superiors uh, to tell them everything is going to plan and he can cover up absolutely everything, making Annie the scapegoat. Cut to yet more opening shots. God, I really love this bloody well footage. As topside, Annie, armed with a harpoon gun, searches the naval ship. And down she goes to be attacked by the piranha and yet more of them are eating Loretta's brain. That is fucking disgusting, but Luckily, Tyler pulls her away before she's next. On the boat, Tyler, in ridiculously tight speedos, spills all that four months ago, the ship carrying canisters of piranha eggs, sunk as he was the creator of these mutant piranhas. It seems he's a biochemist. He sliced in genes <coughs> from a flying fresh... Uh, flying fish to piranha to make this ultimate killing machine for the military. Okay then. As that night, and hold on me here, she waited to nightfall to tell the cops. Okay. Steve takes a helicopter out to the boat where his son is in to warn him of the killer fish. Dumont tells him that both his son and his daughter are gone for a midnight swim. Out, Steve goes to hunt for them. Steve then gets a call from the TNT fisherman. The fisherman shows him a chewed up body of a piranha. Cut to Annie, begging the hotel owner to stop everything until the fish are found and indeed killed. He, being the bad guy, doesn't listen nor care. He just thinks she's fucking crazy. Now we hold on a second here. Steve is sitting there and he has seen the body. Yet they still don't believe him, even after Steve fucking slaps the half-dead fish on the table in front of the owner but he doesn't give a shit as he just walks off all he cares about is profit until people will get eaten as the lawsuits will start to pile up just ask the guy from the first movie back to the fisherman's hut his son is attacked by the now 
flying through the water piranhas. And someone should have told the writer, director, producer, that flying fish can't really fly great distances. They glide, not fly like fucking bats. I swear to God, these fish are like wind-up toys you got from the 80s. The ones of the dragonflies or butterflies, you know, they ones, yeah. I love the fact you can actually see the fucking strings holding these things up also. Anyway, the fisherman's son is attacked and eaten. On to shots of the beach at night. Then to Chris and Allison as they frolic by the shore before heading back to the boat. Okay. The fisherman finds his dead son, so swears revenge. As at an airport, Steve flies out to hunt for his son, but not before he tells Anne, Tyler is a slimy git and cannot be trusted. Of course she doesn't want to listen, because I'm guessing he is good in bed then. Hmm. So off Steve flies, as back to the fisherman, he straps together enough TNT to blow a mountain in half. It is on! As out to sea, Chris stops for some sexy time. Okay. As back at the beach, the hotel is serving up a midnight feast, literally. As finally, 25 minutes left, we have gore, carnage and splatter. Raoul lines up all his guests to play hunt the fish, however, the piranha attack. Not before, however, the horn housewife from earlier tries to get her paws into the lifeguard. Too bad he's having off with the young blonde from earlier. And would it have been funnier if he was actually gay? Back to Steve, as he's now hunting for his son on the shoreline. God, this guy's a fucking idiot. He's been hunting for his son for two fucking nights, Jesus. Finally, the piranha attack, first killing the deputy, and then the hotel guest. It's carnage candy, as guests fall to the razor teeth, left, right, and centre. Panic grips and people fall. The fisherman shows Annie the body of his dead son, swearing revenge! People run for their lives, and some dive into a pool, however, they are chowed down. Another fact, you can clearly see the pool is empty, and then as soon as a guest hits the water, they are munched on by a bloody horde of piranhas. The rest make it inside the hotel. As armed with a tiki torch, the fisherman takes down the last few remaining piranha, as they fly around in circles, literally flying in circles. Unfortunately, he's taken down as Annie and the guests watch on, terrified, actually horrified. Back with Steve, he finally finds the dinghy. Well, he flies past it at least. This wakes up Chris and Allison, who are now adrift at sea. Have they heard of anchoring the fucking boat for crying out loud? <coughs> Cut to Annie racing to the docks to find Tyler is hiding on her boat. He's wearing all black, therefore he knows he's a bad guy. Meanwhile, back at sea, Chris finds out they're only a few miles from the hotel as Chris starts to row to the shore. Annie radios Steve to tell him her plan, telling him to be out of the area before 6.30am or he will be blown to pieces as ah, she's going to go down and strap bombs to the ship and blow that ship to the ship rip to... Anyway, at dawn, Ty Annie and Tyler dive down to wreck and plant the bombs. Meanwhile, after searching all fucking night, Steve finally finds his son's robot as down below the Prana return home and attack. Tyler. Back with Steve, he jumps out of the helicopter which explodes on contact as it hits the water. Why? Also, why just jump out and leave the helicopter? I mean, uh, sure, I mean, why the fuck not? Why would it just explode and just, uh, whatever. He then swims to the rich guy's boat, finding him dead. He drives the boat to his son. 
with five minutes left before it's boom time. Annie escapes last minute. She grabs onto the boat's anchor as Steve drives off. Uh, the wreck then blows up sky high. Steve and Chris hug as Annie's boat body floats to the surface. Yeah, no, she's dead. I don't give a fuck what this movie says. She's dead. If not from the bend, then from the fucking explosion. Steve uh, fishes her out as the family embrace. Uh, the screen turns blood red as credits roll. So that was Prana 2, the, spoil uh, the spoiler. The spawning. One part sex comedy, two parts cheap B-movie. With little charm or laughs, the gore is good as effects are practical and look good for 1981. However, there is no real danger, no real scares, as the Prana only shut up for 10 minutes of street time, it's mostly Tyler trying to get into Annie's pants. This is cheap, nasty and dull. However, this is a stain on the great James Cameron's bio. So for that, it gets 4 out of 10. So we'll come back next week as we go 3D, as I look at Piranha 3D. Then the following week, I have a guest, Mike from Playing With Power, and a graveyard shift as we look at the cheese-tastic Piranha DD. August is Hitchcock, uh, September is Stephen King, October is House on Haunted Hill, and November is Night of Movies. So don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod, where you can vote on which movies I will cover. Or email me your movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror franchise such as The Omen, Psycho, House, Resident Evil and more. Also my B-movie podcast of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, The Stuff, Chud 2 and many more. A bye. And remember, I watch these bad movies so you don't have to. Now I'll have to have a quick dip in the pool.